Welcome to Mary's Cup of Tea, the self-love podcast for women. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski, an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that will inspire you to love yourself. I've pretty much come to accept the fact that I will probably forever be a recovering perfectionist. It's just one of those things that feels so deeply ingrained that I can only work on it and try not to fall into it, but it's hard and it's exhausting to constantly equate your worth with how perfect we can appear to be, especially now with social media, our image being everywhere, of course, society's obsession with women's beauty and looks. That's another big way perfectionism shows up. And for me, it's really also my work and trying to be the best that I can be, but sometimes getting stuck in that vicious cycle of like, okay, I'm no longer growing. I'm just getting obsessive and fixated on things that don't really matter, that take me away from the present moment. All for what? Just for somebody to think that, I don't know, I'm perfect, which I'm like not. And I don't even want people to think that. So I don't know where this whole thing comes from, but we're going to unpack it today in this part two conversation with Maria Victoria Albina. Today, we're talking about breaking through perfectionistic thinking and reclaiming our authenticity. You're going to learn what happens in the nervous system of a perfectionist. It's actually very interesting. Why women, eldest daughters especially, often exhibit signs of people-pleasing, codependency, and perfectionism, and how it gets passed down through generations. How perfectionism might be related to IBS and other digestion issues issues, question mark, question mark. Super interesting. Mind-body connection is real. And of course, we're going to end with some tools to help you snap out of perfectionistic thinking because remember, your presence is more important than your perfection. And in case you're unfamiliar with our guest today, Maria Victoria Albina, she was in the previous podcast episode talking about people-pleasing and it was just so dense. I felt like the perfectionism side of things needed its own space. So here we are, part two. Maria Victoria Albina is a master certified somatic life coach, UCSF trained family nurse practitioner, and breathwork meditation guide with a passion for helping humans socialized as women realize that they are their own best healers so they can break free from perfectionism and people-pleasing and reclaim their joy. And like I said before, this conversation is equal parts entertaining and educational because Maria Victoria is just a joyful person. She's also the host of Feminist Wellness Podcast, holds a master's degree in public health, and a BA in Latin American studies. Maria Victoria has been working in health and wellness for over 20 years and lives on occupied Muncie Lenape territory in New York's Hudson Valley. She also runs a six-month coaching program in a loving, supportive community for women and AFAB non-binary folks, where you'll learn new ways to respond to stress and trauma, ditch codependent, perfectionistic, and people-pleasing habits as you learn to re-relate to your body, mind, and emotions in healthier ways. You can check out the coaching program called Anchored by going to victoriaalbina.com anchored. I also have that linked for you in the description. And make sure to follow Maria Victoria on Instagram at victoriaalbinawellness. Without further ado, here is part two of my conversation with Maria Victoria on perfectionism. When we talk about the nervous system, you mentioned in passing about this fight, flight, or freeze response. Would you say that happens in minds, bodies, both? Yes. Both. 
Yes. Both is good. You remember like from the Emperor's New Grove, like both is good. Both is good. <laughs> Man, um, that was a deep cut, right? I haven't thought about that movie in a long time. Yeah. I feel like picking the perfect GIF, GIF, yeah. in response to a text is like an art and a craft. So yes, it's indeed. not like I just watched the Emperor's New Grove last night. It's because I was picking the perfect GIF. So I feel like perfectionism, Mm. it got me thinking, I feel like perfectionism is somehow the epitome of all three, like fight, flight, and freeze, because first I kind of fight to get it right. And then I take a flight to like, nope, still not good enough. Right. Not going to work. Right. Until eventually I like freeze and don't take any action at all. Sure. And of course it doesn't happen like sequentially in that way. Well, it actually hierarchically does in the in the nervous system. Oh, tell us about that. Oh, uh, science. Here we go. So, yeah, the nervous system has a hierarchy that is completely dependable. You can always expect the nervous system to go into flight and then fight. Because, again, as humans, all of us, right, like a six foot something big dude is still a very small mammal compared to a rhino. We're small animals. And so we're going to try to flight and to try to escape and to try to get out of danger, first and foremost. Should that not work, then we'll put our dukes up. Should that not work, we'll go into freeze and play dead. Like a possum playing possum, a deer in the headlights. We're just checked out. And this is cool. And then we'll, I'm going to nerd, like deep nerd, and then we'll, we'll circle back. Please deep nerd. Why, thank you. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Our bodies get flooded in freeze with endogenous opioids, Mm -hmm. so pain blockers. And that's because the body was built to go into freeze if and only if a predator has nabbed us. Oh, like physically? Physically, teeth in ankle. Yeah, so our body gets flooded with, with like don't have pain juice, which if you then look at the studies on paracetamol on, I'm going to use the brand name Tylenol. Please don't sue me, Tylenol. I'm just pointing at some studies. And empathy, we can see that every time we take pain relievers, we actually have less empathy. Oh, shit. What the fuck? What the science? Advil too? I don't have a white paper that I can point to about Advil. but, But the point is just that when we block pain, we block feelings. When we block pain, we block empathy for self and for others. Like we're blocking emotions in both directions, which is wild and bananas and makes logic, right? Yes. If you're in pain, it's because you need to be focused on survival. That's it. None of this feelings business, right? Mm -hmm. So that happens in freeze. How did we get to here? Perfectionism. (laughs) Flight, fight, freeze. Yeah. Yeah. And then the freeze, I talk about it as pressured perfectionist procrastination. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> pressure. It's just really fun to say pressured perfectionist, perfectionist procrastination. Yeah. procrastination. <laughs> right? Like I'm not going to do the thing because I need to do it perfectly. And if I can't do it perfectly, then why would I even get started? I shouldn't even get started. But I'm late now and I need to get started. And I'm like, oh, I'm the worst because I didn't get started. And now it's like totally due and I didn't even do it. And uh, yeah, that. Yeah. And if I can somehow miraculously get past that, then I get stuck in tinkering. (laughs) I will just tinker forever. The amount of times (sighs) I've spent tinkering on Canva for a perfect podcast graphic. Perfect graphic. Because I I don't know, like my brain gets hijacked and I think that if the graphic isn't perfect, nobody's going to listen to the show ever again. Ever again. And then actually you're doomed. I am doomed and I will die alone. 
cold and alone, actually on a mountaintop, and then the carrion <laughs> birds will uh, eat you limb from limb, and it's going to be gnarly and terrible. Yeah. So I'm really sorry for your fate. <laughs> and it's really all because of that one Canva graphic where, like, the font was just not the best font. And I just, I don't know why you went serif. I feel like it's a sans serif world. Okay, I'm sorry you're triggering my people pleasing. And oh my I God. would, I oh would do oh. Canva, but I'm scared that they wouldn't like me. Oh my God, I love it. Please stop <laughs> triggering me. I feel personally attacked right now. <laughs> so tell us more about perfectionism, like the way it manifests, the way it shows up. There's lots of like systemic roots to it. Yes, of course. But I have a really good friend who claims, and it looks true outside looking in, but she claims that like she does not struggle with perfectionism at all. And I don't know whether to like learn from her or kill her. So I, <laughs> I don't know. I want to be that way. So now I need to hyperanalyze why I'm not that way. Mm -hmm. What I'd recommend is comparing yourself to her and then feeling <laughs> despair that you're not as good as her. Is that your professional opinion? That would be my professional recommendation <laughs> is compare and despair. That's really going to get you super duper far, Mary. So I really highly recommend it. You should just judge yourself against her always. And then I recommend you judge me. You? Oh yeah, judge everyone. More judgment. Wait, is that what happens when we compare ourselves? Yes. Yes. When you're throwing you down the well, your nervous system's like, oh, girl, I am not going alone. Mm -hmm. I did such a terrible job on this, but pff, Megan did a terrible job too. And can you even, wait, did you see what Becky's wearing today? Okay. Davina, like what was, what was with her hair today? I was like, we're kind of trying to be professional here. Thanks. Did you just come up with the name Davina out of thin air? Or is that I actually like met a Davina yesterday. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that was like in my sub, like maybe in my conscious subconscious. It's you a great are name. so quick witted. Hey, Argentine Leos. <laughs> oh, I for love the win. it. <laughs> yeah. We start judging everyone else, right? And so there's perfectionism in and perfectionism out. And many of us have perfectionism both. So the perfectionism in is when we are exigent with ourselves. I must be the best. I must perform. I must. I. And we are aggressively judging ourselves. It's all from the same root of emotional outsourcing, of course. And then perfectionism out is the people-pleasing perfectionism. We're trying to do perfect by other people's standards, by what they want us to be, which of course is like all an invention of our own mind because you never really know what someone else wants, even when they give you a rubric, right? Even when they tell you. It's either shape-shifting and chameleoning or self-bludgeoning, self-flagellating. And at the end of the day, it's the same thing. It's all about judging ourselves and judging the world and externalizing our worth towards someone else's story. And why, why women? Why are we more susceptible well, safety. And I think we're also, we're sold like a really lousy bill of goods that, that teaches us we must be tall and thin and blonde and blue-eyed and perfect and have like flawless skin and like big tits, but not too big. You know, the whole meow, 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 meow about like what a woman's body should look like, mm -hmm. right? In this moment of the patriarchy. Yeah. And I feel like third wave feminism, unfortunately, kind of added to it because it used to be like a very specific role that at least like was a full-time job mm. that was like a very clear full-time job that we could 
in some ways eventually meet, but now it's like, and you must work hard and you must make money and you must be very independent and do not rely on a man. And why are you looking for a sugar daddy, you gold digging whore? And I think that's so <laughs> right. It honestly it kind of irks me because I have I have very opinionated views on just like you opinionated? No. Never. No. When Come I could on. break free from the people pleasing. Right, right, right. It's right, the right. people proving. Yeah. I don't know if it's an overcorrection or but I just feel like it's adding to the mix and we haven't like dealt with like the root of why are there so many expectations on women all of the goddamn time? And I feel like making more money than your male spouse is like not what's going to validate your worth or prove to people that like, do you know what I mean? That you're a strong, independent woman. So yeah, I do. I don't know if that's the technical definition of third wave feminism, but that's kind of what I feel like happening now is it's just, it's added to the mix instead of Oh, well, actually, you don't have to be like a good girl, a good woman, a good wife, a good mother. You also have to be. <laughs> right. You know? Right. I would blame the patriarchy and late stage capitalism more than third wave feminism. But you're right. That's what I meant. Let, late stage capitalism. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. It has made a very super problematic environment for all of us, right? Where we're supposed mm-hmm. to be all things to all people, whereas mostly we just need rest and community and connection. And to to be present with one another, mm-hmm. right? I think that if we're to get to what is the core remedy for all components of emotional outsourcing, codependency, perfectionism, people pleasing, people proving, it is presence. Present over perfect. Yeah, just presence full stop, right? Because that's when we have intentionality. And we can make choices from presence that are not available when our nervous systems are jacked. It's just not possible to really make choices from our internal agency, which of note is different than social agency, Mm -hmm. but from our internal agency to say, this is how I'm going to choose to think and feel and respond to this moment, Mm -hmm. right? What is the choice of the story I'm going to tell within my own mind, body, and nervous system to support me? Mm -hmm. I've been meaning to ask you how you personally came on this path or like why why this why this work i'm assuming it's because you don't have any people pleasing or perfectionistic tendencies at all so you want others to be as holy as you uh yeah that's exactly what it is i am a holy role model <laughs> i am both a god and a guru and uh, i would like people to be very much like me <laughs> hey, so goodbye. great that concludes our interview and <laughs> Problem solved. Good night. I have these magic beans I'm selling. No, come on. Yeah, I totally come by it wicked honestly, which for the West Coast is hella honestly. It's important to be accessible, Mary, (laughs) both the East and the West Coast. Inclusive. Inclusivity is a really core tenant of ours collectively. And so we're just (laughs) out here living how we live. You know what I mean? Walking the talk. Yes. Is what we're up to. On that note, I'm going to take a dramatic sip of tea. 
Big Heart Tea, that is. My favorite certified organic tea wrapped in sustainable packaging made from plants, not plastics, and produced with the utmost regard for the farmers who grow it. If you've been here for a while, you know that tea has been a big part of my self-love journey. I just find it so warm and soothing and grounding. It doesn't matter what day I'm having, a cup of tea always makes it better. And I love Big Heart Tea because their company is female-founded and mission-driven. Their farmer's collection is a growing line of intentionally sourced direct trade teas, which you can really taste with every sip. I'm currently drinking their signature cup of sunshine because spring is here. It's an herbal blend, which is great for the afternoons when you don't want caffeine or maybe you can't have caffeine because it will give you anxiety and a borderline heart attack if you're anything like me. So stock up on your own tea by going to bigheartea.com and use code MARY20 for a discount at checkout. Again, that's bigheartea.com and use code MARY20. Now back to the show. I was a wicked hot mess of codependent perfectionist and people-pleasing habits and was living fully from the neck up, detached from my body most of my life. My nervous system was a dysregulated hot mess and I was looking outside of me for approval constantly and had absolutely no idea I was doing it. I was really functional in the world. I have a very fancy medical degree. I have a pretty fancy master's in public health. I did things, right? I was very functional in the world, but was deeply and profoundly frozen to my own sense of self, my authenticity, the emotions that were living in my body. I did not know about these things. I'm sure the emotions are happening because science, but I didn't really know what feelings in the, no, what? No, I'm fine. Thank you very much. I'm fine. No, 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 no. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm seething and dying inside and I'm full of resentment and I actually want to um, murder you, but also cry. And But I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Similar to what you said in our part one conversation about, I think you mentioned, was it your mom? Uh, your mom? <laughs> <laughs> I can not with you. <laughs> oh, but you can. You can hang. You can totally roll. You can hang. Yeah, girl. My, yeah, very much my mom. And I'm sure her mom before her and her mom before her and legions of women who for emotional and physical safety, particularly in heteronormativity, were fine. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. But we're not. What was the turning point for you? Hmm. It was slow, right? Like in my late 20s, my then friend, Becca, it was very brave of her in hindsight. We were walking in San Francisco where we were living and we're talking and I don't, I don't remember what I said, but it's probably, you know, taking something very personally and making it about me and like getting all upset and butthurt over like someone not returning a call or a text. I was probably doing the usual codependent song and dance, right? Making my worth all about somebody else's thoughts about me. And she turned to me and she was like, listen, I love you. And I've been meaning to say this for a while, but like, you realize you are intensely codependent, right? And I just was like, wait, what? Wait, who? Uh, Your mom? Like, what are you talking about? No, I'm not. I don't have anything to do with alcoholics. I'm not dating one. I'm not one. Not married to one. Like, how could I be codependent? And she was like, oh, baby girl. And like broke it down for me and helped me to start to see it through 
like the most basic lens of what it is to have your sense of self dependent on other people. And so I'm a nerd's nerd, as, as we've very well established here today. So I started reading and I started looking and I started thinking, and I started talking and I started really investigating this story around codependency and like what it could mean for me to have identification with that term, with that experience, found some things that resonated and a lot that didn't, which is why I came up with my own term and my own framework for thinking about it that has nothing to do with anyone and their substance use or not, but rather is all about me and my sense of, of worth and value in the world. And that was where things really started to, to turn. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it was like little bit by little bit, I would start to like really step into awareness. I started meditating around then too, which was a complete game changer for me because I started being able to see my own mind. Are you a meditator? Um, I've dabbled. I feel like that's dabbled. That's what you do when you, you're living in the Bay and then you're trying to heal, right? You, you meditate. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell me about meditation. Is it a big part of your practice now? It is. Yeah. My partner's a Tibetan Buddhist, so that helps, right? Like she's deeply dedicated to meditation. It's the core of her her religious everything. I think I'm going to start a fight with my husband because he is not a Tibetan Buddhist. I uh, highly recommend it. But the problem is that if they're not Tibetan Buddhist, they will swing back. So just be prepared. Just know what you're getting into. Wow. So is that what like inspired, motivate you or continues to? Well, it means that like in the morning when I'm like, don't feel like it, she's like, okay, cool. I'm going to go sit. Mm. You know, we have an interdependent energetic within us. Our relationship is deeply based on mutuality and reciprocity. And so she's never guilting or shaming or blaming me. And she's also not going to not sit because I have whiny pants on or I'm too cold or it's too hot or like whatever. Like my, my brain is yeah. like coming up with excuses. She's like, all right, babe, you do you. And then that's the, the mutuality part. I want to reflect back to you that you have a way better day when you go and meditate. I'm going to go meditate. You make your own choices. But like, do you hear the neutral in that? Right? Just... There's no indirect, like the passive aggressive indirect that I grew up with. I don't know about you. Was there direct communication in your home? I mean, I grew up in a Russian household. Does that answer your question? Uh, as an Argentine, it doth. Yeah, I think it was like so bluntly direct that it was also very manipulative because there was a yes. lot of like guilting and yeah. and like till this day, if you know, I don't finish all the food on my plate. It's like, oh, you don't like my cooking. I'll never like Gloria and Modern right. Family. It's oh hysterical. God. It's hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking before about being the, the eldest daughters, right? The eldest kid. But man, add the eldest immigrant kid. Oof. <laughs> yeah. I have been planning to do a whole like series of episodes on that. Okay. Can we really, can I come back for that, please? Yes, because please. I need I need to talk about my favorite line ever in parenting. Parents, take notes. Are you ready? I'll give you life so I can take it away. <laughs> okay, that's okay. That's like top 10. That's top 10. Here's another one. Maybe they can be, you know, on equal footing. But you don't know how much I suffered for you in coming to this country. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's such a good one. Yeah. Right. We came to this country for you. Yeah, oh, sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Because I was three and a half. So that was my choice. 
right? Yep. That's yeah. a big one. How did we get here? You know, what we're doing is circuitous conversation and I'm yeah. really into it. I'm really Same. into how we're just like letting the spirit of this joyful connection move us. <laughs> Like I'm, um, I'm really having so much fun. Where we were going was you asked me what the turning point in my own emotional outsourcing was. I talked about my brave friend, Becca. I started meditating and I started coming into greater awareness of like all the ways I was doing these effectively really shitty things in the world, mm -hmm. right? Like being passive aggressive and indirect and not communicating and being resentful, not setting boundaries, wishing people would read my mind on and on, right? Mm -hmm. And how meditating, mindfulness, self-awareness is like huge and vital part of being able to shift these habits because most of us have no friggin' clue we're doing it because family of origin. It's just what was. It was the soup we were swimming in for so long that we're just like passive aggressive lentil. It's what's for dinner. I don't know what else to tell you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No boundaries borscht. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Oh my you gosh, like that I one? love that huh? one. Huh? How you doing? I love right. that one. That is plus, <laughs> plus 10 points. That's, that's the title actually of this podcast episode. No Boundaries no Borscht. Boundaries borscht. <laughs> uh -huh. Brought to you by the American Cabbage Association. <laughs> I make a mean borscht. Girl, fax me a bowl right now. I was going to say like, fax it to please. Me. Please, Please come over. I make a meat brush. It's vegetarian. Okay, but okay like, great. I'm on my way. It's fantastic. It'll okay, make great. you have explosive diarrhea. Oh my God, do you promise? Unless your nervous system is fully regulated. Okay, great. Fully, 100% <laughs> regulated. Great. Please make sure to then, regulate yourself with... Um, excuse me. Please make sure that you're regulated before you come to my dinner party because if not, you will have explosive diarrhea. Well, you do talk about that on your website. Listen, I had <laughs> wicked IBS. I there's we're not gonna get into the list of New York City subway trains that I have pooped myself on because Mary, I come on. <laughs> How dare you? Me but, uh, and my best friend were just telling our worst shitting ourselves stories at oh breakfast no. literally this of morning. Course. So it's so oh, that's funny amazing. that you say that as well. Oh, I love it. It's a really good time. Okay, we'll have like a separate side conversation. <laughs> like we'll actually fax each other about that. But just say dude, fax. Facts. Yes, like a fax okay. machine. I'm 25. <laughs> no, I, no. Uh, yep. So still fax machines. Yep. I'm just going to honor my lineage and I'm fax <laughs> machines. You're welcome. You're welcome. Connecting with my ancestors. <laughs> oh my God. And AOL dial-up. That I remember. That you remember. Me. Yep. yep. That was a good time. Oh, right. Poops. IBS. Dysregulated nervous system. Yeah. IBS. The root cause can, and for those who didn't hear the part where I'm actually a board certified functional medicine nurse practitioner, I'm not just a life coach talking out my butt. I have actual medical training, but <laughs> blah, 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 blah. So IBS, there's often a parasite, a bug, a yeast, like there's some biological thing out of balance, but man, it is so often so much nervous system based. There's so much nervous system to it. Because if the nervous system is not regulatable, if we spend a lot of our life in sympathetic, everything's going fast. And if we spend a lot of our life in dorsal, ain't nothing moving. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, this is where you're helping me connect mm. a lot of dots. Oh, Well, because I, I come from a stance of like, you know, disordered eating will either cause IBS or make it worse. 100%. But now I'm starting to see that what's underneath that is because 
disordered eating, having an eating disorder, even just being stressed as fuck about what you eat and sure. how much you weigh Orthorexia. or whatever. Yeah. 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 Like that will send you on that roller coaster of emotional dysregulation and just everything that we've been talking about. So that makes complete sense now. hundred percent. Right. It's part and parcel, right? It's, yeah. it's chicken and it's also egg, mm-hmm. right? That we have those thoughts because our nervous system is dysregulated, which leads to dysregulation in our nervous system, which leads to the thoughts, right? And it just, it feeds each other on and on. And with eating and you know, the way it relates to perfectionism, there's this, I don't know if you call it a trope, but it's just like so cliche, it hurts. But so many ED practitioners will say like the root of an eating disorder is perfectionism and like trying to be perfect with what you eat. So sometimes that can like reflect or manifest or cause other things, like you said, in whichever direction. I'm wondering like for somebody who's perhaps struggling to break out of that perfectionistic mindset, not just with their work or maybe with their looks, but specifically with like eating. And mm. for me, let me let me tell you the, the big things for me. It used to yeah. be eating. Yeah. Then it was like the way I look and the way I appear to other people. Right. And then it was like the way I work. Like, I'm like, why am I not batching you piece of shit? You know? Um, Oh, yeah. And just feeling like, you know, the amount of times I've rewritten my to-do list because I feel like my handwriting isn't like good enough on the first one. And then, and kind of now it's my work in a sense of like social media, which is a hodgepodge of like how I look, how I show up, like that stupid Canva graphic. In a world where we're like constantly curating literally how other people see us on the other end. And I feel like even if you have a regular old day job, I mean, your LinkedIn profile, like the things you post to your friends and family on Facebook, like it's, we live in a world where we're like, we can get very perfectionistic about our image very easily, even those of us who are most immune. So long winded roundabout way of asking you, like (laughs) for somebody who, let's start with the eating and looks piece. Yeah. What could be whether it's like a somatic practice or like some of the tools, even the little little tips. I love those in our last conversation about people pleasing. What are some things that we can really like look to and hold on to when we find ourselves trapped in a perfectionistic mindset? Right. Oh, there's so many things coming to mind for me. I think partially it's doing some thought work around this and asking yourself some very smart questions. And then, like you said, working somatically with the body. I want to also pause here to point out though, right, that this curating of our image is normal and natural. Again, it can be part of a survival schema where we want to look the way that our village says is the right way to look act the way they say is the right way to act, right? Sound the way they say is the right way to sound. Because once again, when the marauders come, and the marauders will always come, we want to be saved. And who do we save? The people we like. Who do we like? The people who are most like us. This is a bias within us as humans, right? That we can work to shift through to expand what feels safe within our nervous system. But but here we are, right? There's There's a lot of studies around this. Yeah. So where am I going is compassion. Compassion with yourself is the first place to start. 
you cannot heal hurt with more hurt. Right? I'll say it again for the people in the cheap seats. You cannot heal hurt with more hurt. So if there's a wounding and a hurt and a tenderoni inside you that's like, I really, I really need to be loved and accepted and cared about because I don't love, care, or accept me. I judge me. I don't think I'm good enough. I've learned my whole life that I'm not good enough or that everyone's depending on me to be perfect and do it perfectly, right? Or my parents gave up so much to come to this country. I need to do it perfectly. They're relying on me. They're depending on me. They're looking to me. I got I to gotta do the proving. We need to honor that within ourselves. So we don't throw that baby away with the bathwater. We love that baby. This is where internal family systems work, Dick Schwartz's work. This is where inner child or inner, I talk about it as inner children because we have dozens and dozens of little sweet inner children's, right? That's where that, that work comes in mm-hmm. so that we can really love up on the part of us that thinks it's, it's life or death to meet these internal or external criteria, right? Mm-hmm. And to abandon ourselves in the middle towards the goal of not being abandoned by others. So we got to start there. And from there is the work of what we were talking about last time about building self-trust and really building a physical reclamation of our bodies. Because part of what happens is that we, again, live from the neck up and we're detached from the animal. We're just seeing our animal, the animal we are as an image on our iPhone or on a feed, right? Or in a story. And we become so hyper-detached. And it's not, how does this body feel? What does this beautiful body need? It's what size is this body? What size at Jake Crew versus what size at, you know, like what, right? What size is this body? As, as though that mattered, but I get why it matters, right? And so a really beautiful tool that I love to help us reconnect with our bodies is the first tool I teach in Anchored in my coaching program, because it's so beautiful, is called This Is My Arm. And so we start by taking one of our paws and I'm going to use language that refers to humans who have two hands, two arms, two legs that can move. If that is not your ability, if that is not your capacity, simply adapt this for you, right? If you don't have hands, there's other ways to do this. You can do it using your visual cortex as, you know, seeing hands that aren't there. It actually creates similar neuroplastic changes in the brain, but you can otherwise adapt it and we love you. So. Taking your hand, and I like to start with my right hand, and I don't know why, and I'll come to my left arm, and I'll sort of gently tap it, brush it, caress it, and I'll say out loud, this is my arm. And then I'll play with the intonation. This is my arm. This is my arm, right? And I'll work slowly or quickly depending on what my nervous system needs, to really connect in. And what this does as well is it brings back wonder, gratitude, joy, connection, yeah? And focusing there is not gaslighting ourselves. It's not, you know, hashtag positive vibes only. It's a choice, right? It's a choice to say right now, I'm going to pause and recognize like, damn, I am alive, And that is an astounding fact. I was a hospice nurse. Some of my favorite people are not alive, but we are. So without negating all the shittiest shit in the world, all the oppression, all the terrible, 
We do not negate it when we take a moment to say, oh my God, this is my arm. This is mine. This is mine. This is mine. This is mine. This is my arm. It's no one else's arm. Right? And so where that usually evolves for me is I don't have to judge it. I don't have to judge it. That's a choice. And I don't have to make that choice. I can just love the fact, like I have five fingers, Mary. They move independently. I have thumbs that can hold coffee and puppies and catch babies. What are you talking about? That's astounding. So really stepping back into that really very simple and for me childlike in the most beautiful of ways, joy of of just being alive. Mm -hmm. And so then when we remember the studies that share that we are most like the five people we spend most of our time with. Do you not want one of them, and that one's you, to be kind to you? I do. I do. And so this is my chest. These are my breasts. This is my belly. This is my perfect, that fat pad over the uterus. Oof, so grateful for it. I don't want a cold uterus, Mary. That sounds terrible, right? (laughs) This is my butt. These are my thighs. And whatever body part you have taken in the message around judging, perhaps. Perhaps you pause there Mm -hmm. and just give it a little extra love and reclamation. And if saying this is my belly, it's like, well, that's a little much. This is a belly, Mm -hmm. right? I recognize that this is a belly. It's not just fat to be questioned or shoved into spanks or judged. It's a belly. There's digestion happening there. That's pretty cool. It's like gratitude. Yeah. Meets embodiment. Yes, exactly. It's embodied gratitude. Yes, exactly. You're so smart. Like that's a time when we can connect in with ourselves in this different way. And that's the gifts of mindfulness and meditation and somatic practice, right? Because we let the brain know you don't need to run the show right now, little monkey mind. Body's got it. And body is wise and body is powerful and body's got it, right? I love that. Tell us about Anchored. Oh, so Anchored is my favorite place on earth. It is the most incredible thing. So having really lived in the deep, dark throes of emotional outsourcing for so long and having had the extreme pleasure, privilege, and honor of getting to study medicine and functional medicine and psychology and so many modalities, somatic experiencing, sensory motor psychotherapy. I wanted to create a hub, a place where humans socialized as women could come to talk about the impact of systems of oppression, our families, our family structures, these survival skills and emotional outsourcing with others who really, truly get it. So it's a six-month program. We do life coaching, somatic practice, breath work, which we didn't get to talk about, but it's really, truly amazing. We can do another show about it at some point if you want, but oh, Mary, it's so good. And we bring that all together because what I know as a holistic practitioner is that we need to address mind, body, and spirit if we are to truly sustainably heal from emotional outsourcing. And that's what we do in Anchored in a really beautiful 25, 30-ish person community. So it's it's small, it's intimate, and I still coach in it. So a lot of master coaches sort of, you know, and I'm not dissing anyone, it's just a different business model, but have other coaches who coach in their programs and they don't coach, but I love coaching. And so you actually get coaching from me each and every week for six months in Anchored. 
and so much fun, Mary. It's oh. did you say every week? It's once a week, every single week. Wow, that's amazing. Wow, it's so yeah. good. Well, you know what? We honestly we need that kind of intensive attention. Yeah, right. Yeah. We need an intensive care because mm-hmm. we're talking about such painful old childhood wounds, right? The wound of I'm not worthy. Oof, that's a deep one, right? Yeah, so we need to really be swaddled, right? That's what the nervous system needs. That's, you know, in a way what the science shows us is we need that nervous system safety that really reliable, dependable attention brings us. Mm -hmm. And from experience, like having that community to to do it with is probably really powerful. (sighs) Yeah, you know, emotional outsourcing is, it's, it's relational wounding. Right. And so we can't heal the wounds of relating alone. We need to be in relation with others in order to heal and to see that we're not alone. And I think that's one of the most painful parts, right? That like, I'm the only one who's this effed up. Like no one else is like as bad as me. Right. Yeah. And we can in community, we can see, yeah, right, we're not alone. And then we can also, we can practice all sorts of things. So we have a Slack group which is like a direct messaging portal thing for people who don't know what Slack is. There's a channel that's like asking for help and getting it, mm-hmm. asking for ridiculous help. So like someone yesterday went on and was like, hi, um, I would like 14 pterodactyls brought to my house immediately. And I'd like each of them to have their own llama who's wearing a blue sweater that you hand knit for them. So they're going to need a pen, right? And like tells this ridiculous tale, who will help? And then everyone else chimes in and is like, Wow, Carolina, thank you so much for asking for help. I'm not available and I really hope you get the support you need. So we get to practice asking for help, Mm -hmm. but we make it ridiculous so the nervous system doesn't get all jacked up. Mm -hmm. And then you get to practice saying no and nobody dies. Nobody's mad at you. No one loves you any less. We went there to say no and you posted there to get a no. So we do things like that. Then there's another channel where you practice asking for help and getting it. And so the people who respond, the response is to say yes with boundaries, right? And so that's what the community allows for is, is it not just being like cognitive, like a, like when you say X, I will say Y, but rather like making it real, right? Practicing it. Because how many times have you been in therapy and you're like, okay, the next time he says this, I will totally say that. But then you don't practice it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it just like goes right out the window. Yeah. It sometimes feels silly when you have to like role play, you know, and, and practice mm-hmm. it, but it helps so much. Like once you get past the it silliness. so much. Yeah. Or embrace the silliness. Yeah. Yeah. You and we're never silly. We're very, very serious people, you and I. <laughs> I actually have to push myself to be silly because that's one of my perfectionistic things where I'm oh. like, you know. Girl, you're just like in it today. Oh, thank I you. Love well, it. your, your yeah. energy is, it's contagious. And your laugh, by the way, your laugh on your Aww. podcast. I love it so much. <laughs> Thank you. I actually did a DNA test. Turns out um, I'm 50% cartoon character and 50% rabbit. I, I thought I was going to say that say bitch. I'm actually not, I'm not that bitch, but I am a cartoon character and funny rabbit. So <laughs> Even uh, better. Even thank better. Thank you. I appreciate it. Maria Victoria, thank <laughs> yes, you my so love. much. This has been absolutely lovely. Yeah. What a delight. I could be here Ooh. forever. I want Me to respect too. your time, but I could oh, really thanks. be here forever. Me too. We'll do it again. <laughs> this was too much fun. 
seriously, too much yeah. fun that I don't feel worthy of, but oh my I God, will receive man. because of your Good. latest episode Please on your podcast it. about Yay. receiving. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Really, really grateful. I highly invite everybody to check out Anchored. Could you remind me the URL for doing so? Yes. It's Victoria Albina, A-L-B as in boy, I-N-A dot com slash anchored. Oh, and guess what? What? I have a present. <gasps> a present for your listeners. Oh, Isn't amazing. So fun? Yes. Yeah. So if you go to victoriaalbina.com slash Mary's cup of tea, Ooh. you can download a suite of meditations, mindfulness practices, inner child meditations, boundary setting meditation, nervous system orienting exercise, all for free, just for being a fan of Mary, which is you know, you know, I'm a big fan of Mary. Oh. So you can join me in Mary fandom and go download <laughs> those presents, those treats. That is awesome. Did you say it's yeah. a whole suite? It's a whole suite of meditations and practices. There's like three, four, five things I don't even remember anymore, but uh, they're delightful and they're free. So go get them. I'm um, looking forward to exploring. Oh, this. yay. Good. I'm so glad. And then my podcast is called Feminist Wellness and it's for free all of the places. And you can follow me on the gram. I give good gram at Victoria Albino Wellness. One last thing before we farewell, my self-lovers. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. You can do this by searching for the show, Mary's Cup of Tea. Scroll all the way down on Apple Podcasts and you'll see stars where you can click one of the stars and leave a few kind words. It just means so much to me because I'm so behind the scenes when I'm podcasting, so I don't really get to see the impact of the show unless you leave a review. And on Spotify, there's just a button that says rate the show and it'll let you put however many stars you want. Your feedback helps the podcast grow. And as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting the show and helping me spread the gift of self-love. I love you all so much and I will talk to you in next week's episode.